Welcome everyone, we're about to begin BPW number 33, that's Bias Pnimi, um Sheer number 33 for the women. We're talking about knowing and understanding and loving your husband. And we're going to talk about other aspects now, we started in last year and two, about ideas to think about on how to develop to become the best wife you could possibly be, which in turn transforms your marriage in the most beautiful way. And remember, don't think that if you work on this, even uh, uh, you dive in and you work very hard, you don't see that much results from your husband based on your changed, better behaviors. Not to give up, not to get discouraged. Number one is even if you don't see above the surface any effect, it's affecting you in the most profound, positive way. You are changing and becoming a better, healthier, calmer, more peace of mind type and loving person, regardless of whether your husband has yet responded to you in the positive way or not. But if you keep at it, there's no question, he'll respond back and usually showers upon you double and triple what you give him. We see this so many times and it works both ways. So another thing to ask yourself is, are you able to learn from your husband and value what he says. We talked about it before, at the end of last year, to really take into consideration what he is saying and to take it into account and to um, really, really validate his opinion. The next thing is, is does your husband feel that he's more important than anyone or anything else in your life other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, who is the third partner he calls himself the third partner. Obviously, he's the first partner of in the relationship when the Shechina comes down and dwells in a home between a husband and a wife. This is the way a husband and wife need to learn to feel about each other. And even if they don't feel it in their heart yet, but they have to really believe it in their minds and behave that way. Shem put you together in the most unique way. That is Hashem telling you, I want you to make this person, everyone has a purpose in this world, but you're married to this person. Hashem is telling you, I am giving you that gift and that ability to look at that husband of yours or wife of yours and to realize they're the most important person in your life. To really, really start believing that and acting that way towards him. And this is this, that makes no difference that he has flaws that he still needs to work on. Because he has also beautiful qualities that can be brought out from potential to the actual. Number, another aspect. Do you believe that you know at least five of your husband's major needs and how to meet those needs in a skillful way? We had Shiorim Besides the love language, Shiurim, which are also expressing needs in the love languages of what they truly need, which is Kedai to review those Shiurim. We also had Shiurim on 10 specific needs. Also Kedai to review that. And after reviewing all of that and other things, you ask yourself and you list off what are your husband's major needs and how to fulfill them in a skillful way. And... On the husband's side, we do the same exercise. 
And you could talk about it together. And you could have open conversations about it. And it's okay where you can't figure it out yourself or he can't figure out your needs himself. We talked about that, that that mind-reading aspect is not healthy. To think that your husband should know something, even if he, you're right that he should technically know. But that's the way it is. You need to express it openly of what you really need. And the husband needs to tell you. You know, you can't be a mind reader on his end to read his mind. It's not fear. creates an unnecessary burden. This idea that, again, it comes from Hollywood. It comes from major cultures. It comes from certain wrong things. That if you really, really cared about me, you would know this without me having to tell you or having, without having me to tell you more than once. No. Sometimes a husband and wife need to tell each other openly. You don't, don't say, oh, it's obvious. No. Even if it is obvious, you state what you really truly need and you repeat it in a clear way, in a loving way. And usually with that open communication, they're very happy to work on it, to fulfill those needs. So it's very, very important to do this on both ends of it. Number one is, is to list off five of your husband's major needs. And if you don't know or you're not sure or you think you know, but you may be mistaken, to have open conversation Explain to me your needs in marriage and in life and let your husband talk and you listen to him. And it needs to go both ways, that he needs to ask you about what your major needs are and be honest with him on what they are. And then you learn in a skillful way how to fulfill those needs. And that's not just a matter of giving and not receiving. You also need to learn how to graciously receive a need that you need. This is not the sheer for now, but very often, there, for example, when we talk about high sex drive, low sex drive, high libido, low libido, and we, we, we um, tend to think that by nature, someone has a lower drive, someone has a, has a higher drive, but very often it's not true. Someone that seemingly has a lower drive by nature really has a higher drive, but it's ho- something's holding them back. And one of those things that are holding them back is they don't feel that they deserve sexual pleasure or they're afraid or they're embarrassed by the fact that they need and want healthy sexual pleasure from their husbands. And they don't want to acknowledge it to them and not even to themselves. And that creates that they alternatively have that lower drive. But in reality... By nature, they would have just as high of a drive as their husband has. But they sometimes feel a certain guilt because of the culture or feeling they don't deserve healthy sexual pleasure or they feel that if they experience healthy sexual pleasure, they'll become more animalistic or they'll lose some of their oil because they're getting a lot of pleasure in this world and, 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 and they want to reserve it for the next world. All these things are very nice. But that does not apply in the healthy connection between a husband and wife in the right time at the right place. There, the, the, the healthy enjoying of sexual pleasure is a very healthy thing. So that's an example of one of those needs that your husband may have and is embarrassed to express to you, but he needs to, and you need to acknowledge that, or that you're embarrassed to express to him that you need something like that because it's vulnerability. I need you to touch me this way or that way. I need to feel this and that and to help 
be like this in the bedroom and so on and so forth. And not to be embarrassed by it. It's a private thing, yes. But it needs to be discussed health in healthy ways between a husband and a wife. So that is an important thing for on both ends to be able to express your needs to your husband and to be able to accept what he's saying about his needs and to talk about it openly and learn how to meet those needs in a skillful way. Another question you ask yourselves are, do you know what your husband needs when he's under stress or when he's discouraged, when he has a hard day at work or when he's going through a rough tkufa in his life? doesn't mean you have to be a master therapist. This is the thing that people make mistake about all the time. They think that in order to do these things that we're talking about, you need to be a master counselor or therapist or trained coach. Not true. I read once, I, forget, I wish I would remember the name, but a very well, he, I don't think he's in, he, he's in the world anymore. I'm not sure. It was an article I saw years ago of a famous psychologist, uh, a, a man that at that point was in his late 70s, maybe even in his low 80s, and he was still practicing, and he was a very successful psychiatrist. And they interviewed him. Tremendous success rates in many, many cases, preventing suicides, work helping people with their depression, anxiety, and everything like that. And they went, and, and he was tremendously successful, and Matzliach. And there was an interview, and he said something extremely fascinating in that interview. And he said that it is true that in my field, in the psychiatric field, there are times when someone has certain diagnoses, whether it's certain levels of OCD or bipolar issues, things like that, schizophrenia. There are indeed certain types of mental conditions that do require medical attention and you need the actual medicine medication to regulate it and again i don't want to get into it now because it's not the subject of the shear but you should know if somebody has a, 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 a real difficult case of bipolar or even schizophrenia and things like that you need to know that if they decide and get the right treatment and the right medication and the right program for themselves, they could be five times more highly functional than a person that does not have these mental issues if they don't work on themselves. Okay? So that's a very important point to know. If someone that has these OCD, bipolar, other issues that require medication and treatments, but they follow that protocol, Baruch Hashem Bizman we have that, then they could be five times more productive and more functional and more healthy than someone that may not have these problems and did not work on themselves. That's why it's so sad very often where, where, where you know, they're, they're just um, you know, discarded. Now, I know I'm simplifying it somewhat, but what I'm saying is extremely true. But the bottom line is, going back to what I was saying, is that so the psychiatrist said, yes, about I would say 80%, 20% maybe, 20% of my clientele falls into that category where indeed um, you need that medication program, certain types of uh, uh, cognitive-based therapy things, dialectic therapies, EMDR, other things to get them to where they need to be. 
But he said that what people don't realize, the psychiatrist said, that a big part of his success with his clients is learning the skill of empathy and deep listening to his patients. And that is the healing factor of what heals them. It happened also, you read the story of Rabbi Ari Levine, and I'm not comparing, we can't, we may not be capable of being at his level, uh, you know, of, of empathy and caring that he had, but the same thing was very, there was a particular doctor, a mental, you know, that was a psychiatrist, that used to very often send his people to Rabbi Ari Levine to talk to him, and he somehow had an influence to help them heal in a way beyond what the doctor could do. And he asked them, what's your secret? They come to you, and, 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 and long-term-wise, they transform themselves and heal. And he explained to them that, that I listen very deeply and empathetically. I acknowledge that their, their issues. They feel that I know them, and I know who they are, and I know their struggles, and give them some words of encouragement. It sounds so simple, but the psychiatrist said that it's 80% of what he does is just that and with great, great success. You don't have to be a psychiatrist to do that. You don't have to be a, a, a high-level coach. Every wife could do that. When they see their husbands, that they're under stress and discouraged, and they could develop that skill, and we talk about it on the men's side too, they need to do this for their wives. Another thing to ask yourself is when you offend your husband, do you usually admit when you are wrong and ask him mechila, ask him to forgive? And again, I acknowledge that on the husband's side, it is a pronounced problem. They, because very often what many wives don't realize, because they don't tell you this, which is a shame, that they, let's say, said something harshly to you, or they offended you, they hurt you. Very often, they're so embarrassed by it. They're not going to tell you they're embarrassed. They're not going to tell you how much they're beating themselves inside, how much they hurt you and regret it. So they're afraid to tell you or they don't want to tell you. So from the outside, you look at them and you think that they're totally oblivious, that they don't care. They don't even realize that they hurt you. And that is something that hurts you very much. And I've tried to explain to these husbands that when you did do so, in marriage it's going to happen. You offended your wife, you hurt her. And you know it to have the courage and vulnerability to admit it and to ask Mechila for it. And again, when he finally does this, by the way, if he never did it before and now he's coming to you and asking you forgiveness and truly regretting and sorry that I was harsh or sorry I said this, to know how to accept that, and to say, you know, I appreciate you don't often, I know it's hard for you to admit or to feel vulnerable on that you need to correct something here, but to appreciate it and then give him his forgiveness. The same thing goes the other way around. When you hurt your husband, said something insensitive to him by the Shabbos table when they were guests there, for, as an example. And he, uh, you know, whatever, however he reacted, even if he didn't react at all, but later to admit, you know, I was wrong. Or sometimes when you got upset at your husband for something and you yelled at him in front of the kids and then you catch yourself. So at some point you tell him, you know, I, I realize, you know, even if I'm upset about something, at the very least I should 
in their own privacy call you in our room or privately in a car and I could talk about it to you, but not not to do this in front of the kids. And I apologize for it. To 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 have that acknowledgement both ways. Another thing is is would 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 your would your husband say that you praise him at least once a day? We talked about the one to five ratio. That a successful, great successful marriage is for every one aspect of criticism or critique, there's five compliments. But at least once a day, and certainly more, will you praise your husband about a good quality he has. Always said it's a good exercise on the husband's side, wife's side, to keep a journal. I would keep in general, this is a general thing to try. I tried it. I have a daughter that does it, and and I try to do it, and I'm not always um, good at it, and I sometimes drop it for a while and come back to it. But it, I so see how effective it is. Where again, not a, if you're not a writer, it's okay. if you're not a lot, uh, uh, you love to write, then make it longer. But even if you don't like to write, then buy one of these like small spiral notebooks, those like compact size that are like little notebooks. Okay, so that one page is not that much writing, and you write three things or five things, small things of that day that you're grateful for, and let at least two of them or three of them be what you're grateful to about your husband. So, And that truly helps grow that karasatayim and awareness. Does your husband say you usually consider his feelings and ideas when making a decision? Here is something that I know also that the husbands have a bigger problem of this than the wives because of the stereotypical idea that they're supposed to make the main decisions in the house. We're not going to get into a whole share about it now, although we discuss this. But it's very often on the wife's side, too, that's important also, that even the realm where you do have the decision-making power in, 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 in certain things in the house or chinech or whatever it is, where your husband also acknowledges that you know more and defers to you very often and says, you know, I'll let, you know you're, you're free to make decisions in these areas. But nevertheless, the husband, for example, I'll give an example, it's a healthy idea, generally speaking, if a wife is running the kitchen, to let her run the kitchen that he shouldn't be the one determining and you're making, I want you to make this supper now and this supper now, but let her do her own thing. But nevertheless, when the husband has a suggestion or prefers something, do you consider his feelings? Another thing to ask yourself is, would your husband say that you enjoy being with him and sharing many life experiences with him? So all of these things that we're discussing now are very, very important to think about and to start working on these things together to develop that feeling of harmony and peace and shalom bias. And to review, especially the last few shiurim, but the of all of these things, to pick out a few that are really stand out, how to make your husband feel good about himself, to build his self-esteem, to smile, even whether you feel like smiling or not, to show genuine warmth towards your husband. And to accept them as they are. Not to try to redo them, even if you know they have flaws that they need to work on. To be sincere that your behaviors and your words match each other in a caring, healthy way. And to learn the skill of empathy like we just discussed. To learn how to be a good listener. And to allow yourself to be vulnerable. 
and to encourage them to fulfill their full potential. And this does wonders in Shalom Bayis. And usually you get back triple and beyond when this is practiced over time. And don't get discouraged if you don't need to see results right away. That's a very important thing to understand as well. Bracha and Atzlacha.